Welcome back to Chief Wellbeing Officer. My name is Stephen McGregor and Happy New Year. So wishing you the best for 2018, whatever wishes or objectives you, you may have. And, and hoping that as we go through this year, then some of the, the episodes that we're going to record and some of the guests that we're going to talk to uh, will help you reflect on uh, those wishes and, and objectives and, and, and hopefully contribute to you having, having a good year. Um, so this is episode three. Um, if you haven't listened to us before, I encourage you to look at episodes one and two, where we interviewed, uh, first of all, Anne Pickering, who's the Chief Human Resources uh, Officer in O2 uh, in the UK, and then episode two, which was a mixture of English and, and Spanish, but which was a very interesting um, interview with Tony Nadal, uh, Rafa Nadal's uh, coach or ex-coach now and, and uncle. We've got some really interesting guests lined up in the next couple of uh, weeks and months. Uh, but while we get up to speed, you know, particularly here in Barcelona, we've still got the King's Festival, which is a major holiday. And it seems that everyone is just slowly getting back to work and getting into the new year. Uh, we thought it'd be a good idea to uh, broadcast an interview that Rory and I uh, recorded originally in, in July of last year. So this was a video interview, it's about 25 minutes. We'll, we'll probably put out some clips in the next uh, couple of weeks. But the, the idea of this interview, we were talking before, essentially, we, we wrote the Chief Wellbeing Officer book, which was done in August and September. Uh, so we were reflecting on what we wanted to, to do in the book uh, and also the main inspiration and sources for the content of the book, which was a kind of shared experience uh, over the last five or six years uh, and particularly what we've done um, at Universitas, you know, myself being a teacher there for the past six years and, and Rory being the Chief Learning Officer um, of Telefonica and, and, and Director of the Corporate University. So we talk about Universitas, uh, we talk about some of the programmes and themes that are going on there. We talk about Telefonica as a major, you know, typical, in many ways, typical multinational company, 130,000 people. Uh, and and then open that out to look at you know reflect on 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 business and people today. So a lot of these things we then subsequently you know detailed in the book, uh, which has been published in the next couple of weeks. Um, and then we talk about the three parts of the book, uh, which are the, the you know respectively the chief uh, well-being and officer parts. Uh, there are three parts in the book. So that's about it. You know, we talk about that and um, it's about 25 minutes long. I'm not going to keep you much longer. And uh, again, wishing you the best and looking forward to talking to you again soon in a future episode. Bye-bye for now. So hi, Rory. Uh, we're here at Universitas Telefonica, which has been a big part of your life for the past six years, no? Um, so what have you been doing in that time? <laughs> Universitas is an intellectual playground mm -hmm. and 6,000 executives, employees of Telefonica come here a year and are touched by Universitas. And it's not, it's not about training, it's about transformation. Mm -hmm. And to be part of that intellectual playground um, has been a, a great privilege to, to save not just the company, but also to help save humanity. That's part of our, our purpose. Yeah, yeah. Pretty bold, ambitious. Um, 
and yeah, I guess transformation is a word that is used in a lot of different places. But I've seen firsthand the the, the kind of change in the effect that that you know the programs and your direction has had here. So, what has been some of the main themes or key themes that you've tried to develop in the last few years? The main themes, I mean, first of all, being a telco is this idea of simplification and and this digital world, this this whole new cognitive revolution. Mm-hmm. In the sense of Telefonica, going from being a telephone operator with its network to being a digital media player at the very center of using data mm-hmm. to enhance people's lives um, and ensuring that everybody involved in the company is involved with that data revolution transformation. Yeah. And in order to make all that happen, we, we count on the collective wisdom of, of all of these employees, there's 130,000 employees, but, but also on, on the key minds. And that's actually how, how we, we got you here, you know, yeah. counting on a very multifunctional, um, you know, talents from different areas, there be academics, athletes, actors, bringing it all together to this intellectual playground is, is the only way that we can have this melting pot of knowledge and is why we call it an intellectual playground. And yeah. I guess that's, that's what brought you into the field. Yeah. So, I mean, this is my sixth year um, teaching here. And it's interesting when you're talking about the profile of the, of the company, you know, you're talking about the kind of data side and the technical side, let's say, but we have to have that human factor to make it work. And if there's one kind of key theme that I tried to develop and brought here the last five, six years is actually boosting that human factor um, and getting people to think about, you know, things that maybe they don't think about normally within business, like, you know, their health, mm-hmm. their physical selves, mm-hmm. uh, and how that relates to, to change on a bigger level. You know, we can, talk about trans- we can talk about transformation and change on a company level, but we all know if we don't do that personally, then it's hard to then get our teams to, to change. So I think that's been a big part of what I've tried to bring the last few years. It's funny you mentioned, you know, health and ultimately people. And it's a bit of a cliche that oh, it's all about the people. But even more so, even in this world of artificial intelligence, it's still the people that can. The company won't change by itself and it won't change just because of the big data and all the artificial intelligence, all the machine learning and all the deep learning. It's still the, the people at, at the core of this. And people is at the very center of what we do at, here at Universitas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we've had many conversations on this um, about you know, the impending changes, all the talk, as you say, about artificial intelligence, if you want to call it fourth industrial revolution or, or whatever it may be. Uh, but we have to think of these human qualities like you know, empathy, um, you know, emotional intelligence, and this broader view and, and how we are different from machines. And it's not just about processing or following processes blindly, but just bringing your whole self and your whole human self to work. And that's where performance comes from. Um, so we've talked a lot about this and this, I guess, leads to, you know, the, the themes that we're going to develop over the next uh, several months. Yeah. Um, uh, so that, you know, if we, if we give that a name, you know, we're calling it Chief Wellbeing Officer. Um, you are the chief learning officer of Telefonica. What does chief well-being officer mean to you? Something more holistic, actually, than, than learning. I really think holistic is the word. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more than wellness. 
and it's more than learning. Um, we talk about four different intelligences here. The head, that's our IQ. The, the heart, which is how, how do you lead people, EQ. Physical intelligence, which obviously you focused a lot. Corporate athlete, but more. And, and the soul. And I think well-being encapsulates all four of this. We have to look after people's minds. We have to look after the company's minds and the company data. Mm. We also have to look after their health. We also have to make sure they're sustainable. And then we also have to think our hope that our ethic, our moral compass as individuals, but also as a company, somehow are, have a target more than just making sure we're profitable and we pay the employees. This is why we're also here to, to save humanity. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that well-being is at, is at the heart of that. Well-being of the people, the well-being of the company, and the well-being of the planet. Sure. And, you know, as we touched on, you know, in an increasingly digital world, we have to keep that human factor strong. Um, just in terms of competitive advantage that we have over the machines coming, maybe, if you look at it in a kind of, a, uh, you know, that kind of view. Um, but also just to get the kind of, best performance and, and, and differentiate ourselves in, with other companies. I think for me, you know, I've been very aware um, from my own work and, and that in the lab the last few years, well-being is a word that is used in business, but it isn't often taken so, so seriously and it is often separated from the business case or notions of competitiveness. So I think, you know, for me in terms of chief well-being officer, it's also about elevating well-being to top table or closer to it within within an organization. So, you know, hence chief officer around about the core, the core term. And we have well-being or wellness programs in different areas, but I do think it will become more important and, and have to be considered more at the core in the future. So I think that's the, the, potentially that's what we can combine on doing with your own experience, uh, you know, uh, as an executive in a large multinational that has the pressures of being a big company and shareholder responsibility and all these things. And mm-hmm. that is, you know, responsibility, as you say, of, of, of its societal role, which I know Telefonic has done a lot in the last few years. Uh, and also kind of, you know, my own other background in terms of, you know, the academic side and, and, and some of the, the research that we can bring to it that actually shows that well-being will make a difference to, to the bottom line and to people's lives, yeah. If I could pick up on your background. So you're, you're a performance athlete. Um, you're also an academic. So how do you feel those things coming together to contribute to well-being? I, I guess it was always my kind of personal processes. You know, I competing in athletics from an early age uh, and then even just, you know, through doing my PhD, my best thinking would come in and around training sessions. And if, I've, if I got too busy uh, with work and that could have been just reading papers or, uh, you know, going to conferences and then I became sedentary or not doing that much exercise, I didn't feel that I was that effective. Um, and I guess this crystallized when I did part of that, those, those doctorate studies in Stanford and, you know, I was meeting people who were part of the US Olympic team at the same time as studying at a university like, like that. And I, I thought, well, these two things can, can fit together. Um, and then, you know, pro, po- you know post to that, it, started looking at some research into even ancient Greece and a lot of what the philosophers would do, like Plato and Socrates and a lot of these guys would actually train physically as well. And it was a very important part of Greek society and thinking. So I think, you know, bringing that into the, the, the modern world is far from easy. 
um, you know, but I think there is a role for actually the physical, uh, being aware more of, of the body uh, within the whole multiple intelligence model that, that you've mentioned. I think you, you make me think of your many cases on people like Kasparov um, thinking and yet having to be physically fit. Our mini case on the CEO of Telefonica, he was actually just made CEO of the year by Forbes. He himself is an athlete, very, very busy schedule, both with in the office and, and travel. And he sees very much the importance of investment in, in well-being, him as a role model, but also giving the environment for everybody in the company to be able to do the same sort of thing. And, and you say it comes back to your Greek quote, what is it, healthy body or men's? men's yeah, men's sano and corpore sano, right? There you go. Um, but yeah, Jose Maria is interesting. You know, if you think about even the motivation for Jose Maria to run on a daily basis, and we've talked to him about that, even when he comes and teaches here at Universitas, he'll always take advantage of the natural environment here and go for a run at the start of his day. Uh, and we've both talked to him about, you know, why he runs. And of course, he wants to keep fit. And he, he was a runner when he was young. But he does mention that it helps him with his decision making. Uh, and, and, and he runs on that daily basis so that he can actually think and, and get the space behind you know, the big calls that he has to make on, on a daily basis as CEO of a 130,000-people company. I think we, we can talk a lot about sort of transcendental philosophical things, but some of the key value that you've brought is giving people very specific, small things they can do that can make a big difference, like using the stairs instead of the elevator messages which are very easy to, to digest um, and very easy to adopt. For sure. Um, and I think we take that view in business of the big picture. You know, we think about the business quarter, we think about the mission, we think about the financial year. Uh, we overlook the daily behaviors. Uh, but the daily behaviors, you know, in time, as we know in business, goes very fast. On an aggregate level, it gives us culture, it gives us many, many things. Um, and different authors around the world have talked about, you know, you know, I think it's John Maxwell, an American author, said you won't change your life until you change something that you do daily. Uh, and we often overlook our daily behaviors uh, and give a big effort every now and again. But really looking at a small effort on a daily basis, they'll get bigger benefit from that and a greater impact. So that's many of the things, as you know, that we've tried to, um, you know, a different mindset that we've tried to deliver to the people uh, here at Universitas and then in other places about, you know, think about your, your day, your boring, normal, professional day. You know, take a step back and, and, and think about some of these things in, in greater detail and greater depth. And speaking about that, the philosophical importance of we're all very busy. Our bandwidth is totally full. If you're not busy these days, then you should be working on your CV because you're probably going to be out of a job soon. And yet, even though we're so busy and there's even all these more and more demands, the importance of pausing, reflecting, the busier you are, the more important, the more the importance of, of pausing, reflecting, finding the eye of the storm and unloading. We, we all have to unload. We're so good at taking new stuff on board. We need to unload. In order to unload, we need to work out what's important and what's urgent. And then to do that, we, we need to work out what is our moral compass, which will, will help us through that. So this is a lot of the, the, the teaching that you've brought here in the last few years in these themes. 
um, and this will be the first part of the book, looking at responsibility, looking at values and moral compass. That's the chief part of Chief Wellbeing Officer. Um, how do you see some of that unfolding on a, on a, yeah, in, on, on level of the book? Well, you know, this idea of the you as the core, know thyself, you mentioned the ancient Greeks, you know, it's not a, it's not a new paradigm. And in fact, with a telco company, which everything's about technology, know thyself is actually going to a whole new level mm. with the wearables and being able to measure just about everything. In fact, there's an interesting um, ethical dilemma with, do we know ourselves better? Or maybe, maybe some of our, our apps know us mm. even better. Sure. And can take better decisions for us in the future, such as a choice of spouse or who to vote for. Maybe you shouldn't even ask me who I should vote for, and you should just ask my one of my apps. Mm-hmm. So I think we can touch on some of these philosophical issues. But yeah, we'll come back down to, to moral compass. What is your ethic? What drives you? What is your purpose? Not the purpose of your company, but what's your purpose? What are your values, which are your actions? And What's your vision? You know, not, not the vision perhaps in the corporate example of how we're going to look in five years, but how do you see the world and how does the world see you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you see any, 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 you know, skepticism in companies about trying to implement that type of approach? Do you see the leading companies very much, you know, aligning with that message? I think, I think Stephen, everybody's, Everybody's skeptical. The, the whole thing is, um, first of all, create an environment such as this place, Universitas, where they can escape that, that level of cynicism, if you like. Yeah. And we, we say, again, this is an intellectual playground. This is, we invite people to act more like children um, than adults here, than executives. Mm-hmm. No question is it admissible. No question is too stupid. Get their hands dirty. Try things they've never tried before. Get to know other people. And that is going to help the cynicism wash off. And, and at the end of the day, we're all humans. And even the most challenging cynic, um, we find by day two or day three of being inverse, immersed in this environment, will start to, to act like humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I guess what we're trying to do in the book is, in different levels, and that's one example, is bring some of the, the magic, let's say, of this place, uh, you know, and, and our collective experience the last five or six years and, and put it into this, this readable packet, right? And, and, and hopefully we can actually, yeah, try and um, progress some of these attitudes in some of these cynical companies and other companies around the world. That's what I'd like to see happening anyway. And you say these cynical companies, in fact, we could say all, all companies come from, by definition, a very corporate environment. And just to make a... Uh, a sort of ephemeral, short-lived comment. I heard that someone said, companies are abattoirs of the human soul. <laughs> so companies are the places where we learn to forget about who we really are. Yeah. That's in line with what Picasso said. He said, every child is an artist until they grow up. So let's find ourselves. Let's find our core. Let's find the eye of the storm, which will help us find our purpose and our why. Yeah. And that's, that's for me, the, the, the key to the, the first section of what we're going to investigate yeah. in our book. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, it's on a simple level. It's bringing, allowing people to bring more of themselves, their true selves to work, rather than parking that at the door. Uh, and 
going back to Jose Maria, it was something that he said to me a couple of years ago. You know, he said, it's not as if you're, you're different people, right? It's not as if you go to work with only your head and not your heart. Uh, and it's not as if you're home with only your heart and not your head. Um, uh, you know, I guess we have to be professional and there's, you know, we're not going to have the exact same behaviours in the workplace as we do at home. But I think if we align more of ourselves into, in both places, especially many companies nowadays, you know, we're working so many long hours, we're actually working from home. Um, I think if we can achieve more of that alignment, then that, I think that's only going to be, be good. You know, you can't manage complexity with rules the same way that a company can insist what its purpose, values, and vision are. What you can hope is that the, the 130,000 employees have a purpose, values, and vision, and vision which the company aligns with, not the other way around. And in that sense, it's a bit like counting on the, the collective wisdom, the wisdom of crowds. So it's a bit like open, open source programming. Yeah. We, we don't regulate everybody. We hope that everybody in some way regulates the company and, and builds to a, a nexus, a maximum, sure. rather than a lowest common denominator. Yeah, yeah. Really interesting. The second part is, is well-being itself. So what we're going to try and do is actually look at the what. Uh, and look at the content of the things that you know, we think companies should take into account to be more human, have more of that alignment, um, to then you know, leverage that purpose, vision, values. Um, I'm planning on talking some of the work that we've done previously in sustaining executive performance, some of the research. Um, total intelligence is a model that you've promoted here over the years in, in Telefonica. Um, any thoughts on how that content part of, of well-being will, will pan out? The what around well-being, well, we've teed it up at the beginning yeah. in a more transcendental, metaphysical, esoteric sense. And that's good. That's fine. That's very, very important. That's what it's all about, purpose. But the, the core the of the book, yeah. um, we can land with what are the specific things we're going to do. And that's what we do here at Universitas. Mm -hmm. We create this, uh, this, this environment, but and people have a fantastic week. Usually they're here for a week immersed in this intellectual playground. But when they go away, every single one has an action plan. Yeah. No action plan, no, no reality. Vision without action is hallucination. Sure. Yeah. As Edison said. Yeah. So this is about coming up with some specific action plans. It doesn't matter if it's in an Excel format or whatever you want it to look like. What are you going to do tomorrow going forwards around around wellness yeah yeah and it gives people options um and there's many things that that we can do in this area and then moving on to the third and final part of the book is the is the officer it's really moving into that implementation phase um because even given the example of the many experiences that people have here in universitas we often say to them you know what are you going to do on monday it's all very well thinking about when you're in this environment and you have an ideal situation and maybe you're really motivated and energized, but then Monday morning comes and you have the same old problems and, and deadlines and your boss breathing down your neck. So how are you going to do it? So part three is, is officer, it's the how, uh, and we're going to bring in some research that we've done here the past few years into actually what works. So what works um, you know, when you get back into that day-to-day -day environment? You know, how do you change habits? Um, how do you freshen up routines? How do you actually 
try and influence, uh, you know, your teams to take on these these healthy behaviors as well. And um, and as a leader, how do you create the environment for your teams to be able to do that? Yeah, it, it's all very well to create the environment here at Universitas, but at the the thirty different national locations where Telefonica is present, what are we going to do to 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 encourage that? And an interesting anecdote from our courses is what happens is people come back from our courses and they feel rejuvenated and ready and focused. And people know, oh, it's the universitas effect. And they stay away from them for, for Monday, Tuesday. So they come back. And they say, by Wednesday, don't worry, it will have worn off. Yeah. And they'll be back to normal yeah, yeah. going through their emails yeah. and their tasks. Yeah. And what we need to do is make sure that it doesn't wear off. Sure. In fact... Not only does it not wear off, it's contagious. Yeah, yeah. So it's getting that critical mass, and I guess getting more people through here is going to help. And another thing that we're going to look at that could also help is, is designing the environment. Um, so when you talk about the leaders who are trying to engender this positive culture, um, you know, I think in many ways they're designers. They're, you're at, they're actually trying to design behaviors, um, you know, design teams, perhaps. Even this week here at Universitas, you've got the Leading High Performing Teams course. Um, and that can also be extended to designing the physical environment. Um, and, and this is a, you know, growing trend that over the years, right? You know, biophilic design, you know, the importance of natural light within an office, um, you know, looking at office furniture, office layout, mm. uh, you know, the importance of even, you know, having, you know, the, the presence of green or natural plants within an office environment. So we'll look at this also, right? We're going to look at designing physical environments and look at this very broad way of how you can bring more of that well-being to work in this very serious, uh, professional way that still has that, that human touch. Very good, Stephen. I mean, I would say, not just me, Universitas is the best corporate university in the world. As I said at the beginning, it's not about training, it's about transformation. I'm looking forward to bringing some of this success story and sharing um, with anyone that would like to read the book because it's not about telephonic. It's about, it's about improving our lives, our children's lives, and saving the planet. Absolutely. Thanks, Rory. Good to talk to you. Thanks very much. All the best. Cheers.